It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. Just Brady today on a Wednesday. Be flying solo. Dennis should be back by Friday. And hopefully we have a fun uh, show for you. We had a lot going on the last couple of days. We saw two more no-hitters. We had a couple of teams clinch a league title. We had a few huge sweeps in, or at least one big sweep in softball. And in baseball, we had the first Big, big upset of BWAC play, so I won't waste any time. We'll start with baseball when we come back, and we'll get into all of it. And Brady Beaton riding solo today on a Wednesday here on the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, like the Nelsons, who cruise around their ranch on a John Deere Gator XUV835R. With 3,000 acres, there's plenty of work to do. It's all about efficiency. That's how they've kept their ranch going for five generations. We wouldn't be in ranching without the Gator. Run with us on a Gator XUV835R and start telling your story. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's locations in Auburn Hills, Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you Locally owned and operated for over 40 years. With locations in Port Huron, Richmond, Lapeer, Chesterfield, and Hall Road, they are the best one-stop shop for your sleeping and mattress needs. Mattress King carries all the top brands such as Serta, Stearns & Foster, Sealy, iComfort, and Tempur-Pedic. Not only do they have the best prices and best service in the area backed by hundreds of five-star reviews, they also offer interest-free financing and no-credit check programs for those with less than stellar credit. Once you get your mattress, they offer free local delivery on all purchases $6.99 and up. When you think sleep, think Derek Mattress by King. Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Duraclean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Duraclean by Bachelor. 810-982-7044. Duraclean by Bachelor. Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington, a family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. Dine out with the feel of being at home when you visit the Hogtown Tavern in Melvin. Open Tuesday through Sunday at 8 a.m. and serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The Hogtown Tavern in Melvin has daily specials like Taco Tuesday, Polish Wednesday, Italian Thursday, Prime Rib Friday, Barbecue Rib Saturday, and Homestyle Sunday. Come and try Chef Susie's world-famous soups and sauces, too. The Hogtown Tavern in Melvin. We're all friends here. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. And you're back with Brady Beaton here on a Wednesday. And let's go back to Monday to talk about some high school baseball and 
the, how about those St. Clair Saints? They needed a big win, and they got a big win over a very talented team in Anchor Bay. Not only did they win, they shut them out. Never gave Anchor Bay a chance to come back in this game. The 6-0 win. Logan Ellis was on the bump to start. Went five innings, only gave up four hits, no earned runs. Walked four, but struck out four as well. And I guess effectively wild. He had two hits and an RBI as well. Joey Turner had two hits and two RBIs for St. Clair. Owen Blanca hitting an RBI. Peyton Ellis in the middle of that order added two more hits and an RBI. Joe Lindman had two hits and a double and drove in a run for St. Clair. And St. Clair needed this. St. Clair needed a big win. They had lost, I believe, eight in a row in league play. Anchor Bay wasn't going to win the White Gross Point North running away with it, but they're in a battle. They were 6-5 and five in league play coming into this game, and they get just shut out at home by a St. Clair team that had been struggling. And this is what St. Clair needs to do down the home stretch. It's May 17th. We're already closer to June than we are April, and... As the, as the districts get a little closer, St. Clair's going to have a tough game with Marine City to start off with in districts, and then they're going to probably have to either beat one of, well, they're going to have to beat either one of Lutheran North, Richmond, or Marysville in the finals. And the goal with this team, especially once they were swept and were, for all intents and purposes, out of Mac White contention, get ready for districts. That had to be the goal for St. Clair. And now I want to see how they follow up this performance. All right, you beat Anchor Bay on the road in in dominating fashion. You know the Tars aren't going to be happy about it. You know they're not going to be just going to roll over and let you sweep them. You get game two at home. Let's see a repeat performance. You had Logan Ellis on the mound, who's been probably your best pitcher this year. Let's see who steps up in game two and if you can put – back-to-back wins together we talked about with them consistency over a game now let's see consistency over a week like you'd have to do on a run through districts to regionals and see if they can knock off anchor bay and take this series and give them a chance to sweep tomorrow on thursday but they take on anchor bay at home tonight marysville Again, they just can't get all three phases going. They lose to Frazier 2-1, to one, and the pitching was pretty darn solid for Marysville. Bryce Smith on the mound, six innings pitched, only gave up five hits. The One, one of the two runs were earned. Walked two, struck out eight. Trenton Vegey had two hits, a double, and an RBI, but that was the only RBI of the day and the only run scored for Marysville in this game, and they're another team that needs to find a way to start winning because early in the year they had some nice wins. Remember, they beat Marine City, and in hindsight, very nice win for Marysville. They were competitive. I believe they beat Cross Lex early in the year. And in league play, they just can't seem to put it all together. The 2-1 to loss against Frazier. Uh, take a look at their next day. We'll just get all the baseball done right now. They followed it up with a 6-3 loss, so a little more hitting, but not quite as much pitching in the game. Two loss for Marysville. Keegan Quain had two hits. Trenton Vaggy had another RBI, but that was all Marysville could muster, and, and they're in danger of 
a losing streak piling up right now. They're battling for to stay out of the basement with Port Huron. Uh, when well, since I mentioned them, let's just go right to Port Huron. They have not had a very good week at all. Back on Monday, a 17 to one loss to Lakeview. Lakeview's on top of the blue. They're likely going to win it. Um, I believe they just have to win one more game to clinch at least a share. And for and then. Yesterday on Tuesday, it was a 13-0 win for Lakeview. So outscored 20-1 in the first, excuse me, 30-1 if I could do some math, in the first two games of the series. Uh, Colton Barnett had a double for Port Huron High as they just are struggling against the the top team in, in the blue. Knew it would be a bit of a struggle, but after they got a couple wins at the end of last week, thinking, okay, maybe they can string something together, but Lakeview bound and determined to take the league title. It doesn't look like Port here on standing in their way. Northern, after having a tough week being swept by Frazier, they beat Lance Cruz on Monday 8-6. to six. Dylan Bloink had two hits, a double, and an RBI, and Ryan Falastro had a hit and two RBIs for Port Huron Northern, and they followed it up with a, not just a win, but a dominating 16-3 win. So Northern, after kind of having a very ho-hum, not very good week last week, they are taking it to Lance Cruz, who again is near the bottom of the blue, but... That's the one thing Northern's done. They've taken care of teams they should take care of. In the game, two win. Jacob Kerrigan had two hits, a double. Dylan Bloink, two more doubles in an RBI. So that's three doubles for Bloink in this series so far. Ty Fletcher, a four-hit day. That nets him two RBIs. Taylor Falls saying his name again. Two hits in an RBI. Alex Armstrong, three knocks, including a double. Ryan Falastro, two more hits, a double, three RBIs. Owen O'Connor had two RBIs in the win and Nick Schrader had a knock and drove in a run as well so Northern takes the first two from Lance Cruz again too little too late in terms of league play but the theme for everyone's going to be uh, outside of the BWAC because those races that race is still very tight but for most of our MAC teams it's now let's get ready for districts now let's prepare for that Friday or Saturday you're playing on and let's see how this works out because Mac Blue, we had three teams in it. They didn't fare so well. Um, Northern's the only team with a winning record in that league. But look at Marysville last year. They won, I think, three or four games all year. I think it was three games they won in the regular season. And then the pre-district, they kind of stunned Armada, and they got to Saturday, and they gave St. Clair a fight. They were winning in that game. It's all about how you play, and you go back to that same Marysville program of, uh, geez, that's like six, seven years ago now. They had won three, four games all year, and then they upset everyone and won the darn district title. So it's not impossible, especially in baseball, where it is a one-game elimination and where you can get a little, uh, if you get hot and you have a couple of good pitchers that are on at the right time, could be good for one of these teams to keep piling up wins. Important here on Northern, they're hosting their district, so they can start playing some good ball at the end of the season. Could bode well for them. Final MAC score: Marine City outright MAC gold champions. They beat Roseville ten to one. Amari Snowden, who is was a two-sport baseball and football commit to Cincinnati, now going to Wisconsin just for football, got 
who was on the mound, and Marine City was able to chase him, got a few runs, and then when the reliever came in, Marine City was mashing. Parker Atkinson, two hits, two RBIs. Zach Tetler, two hits, a home run, two RBIs. That's the second long ball for Zach Tetler this year. Josh Vandeviver had two hits. Paul, Paul Muscat tripled and drove in three. And again, Marine City wins the Mac Gold outright for the second straight year. Congratulations to them. And they are just going to be that team I just don't want to play in that district out in Richmond. They draw St. Clair. And if as, as if that rivalry needed anything more to, to get it going and to really add fuel to the fire. A Marine City team that's lost one game since like the second week of the season, playing pretty well. I know they were able to schedule a few non-league games coming up. That will really test them. But Marine City, now they're sitting at 16 and, excuse me, 15 and 4 on the year, and they started off 0-3. So Marine City is playing really well. Again, the gold is not the best competition around, but the gold is still, like, Marine City still took care of business. They lost to one team, Lamphere, who's 10-2 and in league. Lamphere beat Country Day in the districts last year. That's not a bad program for your only loss to be since your first three games. All right, let's go to the BWAC because I was out at Yale and I had the upset of the season so far. I've been on a string of walk-offs and that'll continue into my softball game yesterday, but Yale and Richmond, they were going at it and to be honest with you, coming into this one, I'm like, okay, I know Yale is good enough that they won't just roll over and let Richmond run through them, but the way Richmond's been playing, they got when they got no hit back against Algonac, I believe it was their third league game of the season, they looked not very solid. Then they went to Algonac and stole that game. And since then, they had been running through teams, and it kind of looked like they were going to do that against Yale. In the top of the second inning, Richmond pushed across two runs. Jackson Jones, Skyler Lowers both got on, and then RBIs from Esselink and a bomb of a double to Anthony from Anthony Bonetti made it 2 to nothing. Richmond. Real quick aside, Yale, beautiful field. I love their setup, but their field is a canyon. It's 330 down the lines, like 350, I think, in the power alleys, and 375 to dead center. 330 down the lines. Go look at some MLB park dimensions. 330 down the lines is probably the deepest you'll see straight down the line. So Yale has a cavern, and when you saw, when I saw Benetti crush one into the left center gap, I bet you at most BWAC ballparks he might have had a home run to his name. But anyway, it was two to nothing Richmond after the top of the second. But Yale had a nice response. Cole Peltier singled to get on. They manufactured him over, uh, moved up on an error. Oh, excuse me, singled the throwing error in, moved him to second. A ground ball moved him to third, and a ground ball scored him. So, okay, that was a nice response to make it 2-1. to one. Nobody on, two away. Chazen Morton walks. Gavin Acker takes a, hits a ball to shortstop, and I don't know if the second baseman wasn't expecting uh, Wesley picked it up and he went to go the short way to second shorter throw not a completely uncommon thing but the second baseman wasn't ready and as he threw to second the runner Morton beat him to the bag so the inning continued 
Then James Taylor Barr was hit by a pitch. So now the bases are loaded. Then Aiden Carolden was hit by a pitch, and he drives in a run. And now it's 2-2 two to two as we get out of the inning. Bottom of the fourth, Yale has a one-out double from Chazen Morton. It was a, f- a little flare into right field. Anthony Bonetti was charging in, and he slid, and it just went under his glove. It was a tough play. I think it was a calculated risk. Again, having only seen you only see it in real time. You don't get to look back on it at film or anything. I don't think it was the worst a- attempt. It was it wasn't a hard hit ball. So when it got by him, it wasn't as if it was going to be a triple or inside the park home run. But Morton did get a double on what was not a super hard hit ball. And then with two away, James Taylor Barr got a base knock up the middle that scored Morton. Now it's three two Yale. Now you're going into the fifth, and you're going, okay, this is starting to get real with only nine outs to go, and Aiden Carolden had settled in. In the fifth, they gave up a leadoff single on Anthony Benetti. I believe it was a bunt that got him on, and then with two on and one away, a fly out and a pop out got Carolden and Yale out of the inning. In the sixth, Richmond trying to find a way to, to claw back one, two, three, the four, five, six hitters coming to the plate. So now, it, going to the top of the seventh, it's 3-2 Yale, and all of a sudden, it's Richmond. Uh-oh, they're, a top, they're on top of the BWAC. They're tied with Algonac coming into this game, and Algonac's playing MLA City, so you know it's a big series. First batter, grounds out to short. Then Anthony Bonetti, who had the best day at the plate for anyone from Richmond. He singles, then Luke Pastushin singles. Trey Taylor with runners on first and third hits a ground ball to short. The only play is to go to second and coming in to score was Benetti and it's 3-3 and you're thinking, okay, this is where Richmond settles down. This is what they do. They win these games. They just had to claw that run across and if they can score another run, I mean, Charlie Hitzelberg was coming up. He ended up grounding out to get out of the inning, but you're feeling like, okay, whew, Richmond got out of it. Yale was not phased once again. Leadoff batter, Chazen Morton. The the eight-hole produced a lot of hits in this game for both teams. Led off with a single. And then Chris Haywood comes up to bat in a pinch hit. Goes to bunt. It pops up. The catcher comes out. He reaches. And I think he started to look at the runner at first. And it hit him in the glove and dropped. But the runner at first had to hold. This is It was almost a carbon copy of what happened in the algonac Almont game a week ago. Hit him in the glove, fell. But Morton, he had to hold it first. He's not going to go halfway to second, risk getting doubled off. So he starts running to second all day to throw, pats the glove twice, and no other way to put it, just missed the throw. It was 10 feet to the right of second base and Morton safe. James Taylor Barr would single on an infield on a bunt. Um, it was a sacrifice bunt that he bunted too well. It was down the third base line. Bryce Wesley was coming in off the mound. He tried to pick it up all in one motion, but even if he did, I don't know if he gets Taylor Barr, but it would be kind of moot because Aiden Carolden comes up. Outfield comes in, infield comes in. Bases loaded, nobody out. Works along at bat and then hits a fly ball to center field. Was too deep um, because the outfield was playing in. If they were playing at the normal length, they catch it and Morton comes in to score anyway. And Yale pulls off the big 4-3 to upset over Richmond and that was a big one.
That was only Richmond's second loss in league play. I believe they had won seven straight in the BWAC coming into it. And that has shaken up the BWAC standings. That along with the next game I want to talk about. Because Algonac did beat MLA City 10 to nothing. About what you expected there. Ty Schultz, two hits, two RBIs. Josh Kasner went six innings, one hit, no earned. Walked one, 13 punch outs along with a hit and two RBIs. Caleb Thomas knocked in a run. And Brandon Williams had a hit and knocked in two runs. We kind of thought out. We kind of figured Algonac was going to do that to MLA City. So the other team that could have, would have been behooved with a win from Yale, North Branch. They're taking on Almont. So coming into this week, Richmond nine and one, Algonac nine and one. Both their te- the losses was to each other when they split. North Branch eight and two. Their only losses were to Richmond. They have yet to play Algonac. They play that next week. Almont seven and three, they were mathematically in it, but theoretically out of it. So North Branch has everything to play for coming down the stretch, and Jason Lane just absolutely slammed the door on North Branch. Seven innings, no hits, no earned, five walks, four Ks, throws his second no hitter of the year, and Almont beats North Branch four to nothing. North Branch, had they won this game, had they not been no-hit, then they're sitting at 9-2 and two, along with Richmond with two games against Algonac and their destiny's back in their own hands. But Jason Lane, second no-hitter, after getting roughed up a little bit against Algonac a week ago, figured it out, and he as well, he's put Almont on the map because them in North Branch or no Almont will be in a district with Algonac and if I'm Algonac I'm not sitting too too easy knowing that that's who's coming across in the championship game uh Luke Winkler for Almont had two hits a double and an RBI Aiden Furquan added two more hits but Almont been, has been playing well remember they should have beat Algonac I don't think anyone in Algonac would disagree with that statement Algonac got away with their lives in that second game against Almont much of how Yale kind of did against Richmond except they were losing in that situation and Yale and Richmond were tied but Richmond goes down, North Branch goes down, Algonac and Almont win. So now, coming into game two of this series today on Wednesday, Algonac alone at the top of the BWAC at 10-1. and one. Richmond second in the BWAC at 9-2, and two, and at 8-3 and three, tied for third, Almont and North Branch. If Almont beats North Branch today, they would go to 10 and excuse me, nine and three, and if with an Algonac win, which I presume they'll win over MLA City, would be eleven and one. At that point, the biggest hope for Almont, they would have to sweep Richmond next week, and North Branch would have to sweep Algonac. It's not impossible, but Almont, despite playing well. That one game they dropped way back at the beginning of the season, I believe, to Yale. Kind of coming back to hurt them right now, but that's a heck of a win. Jason Lane has emerged as one of these star pitchers in the BWAC in a league that's full of them. And 
well, Yale helps out Halganak a little bit with a with a big, big upset win over Richmond. And meanwhile, Cross-Lex gets a big win over Armada. They needed this one. 4-3, to three, they beat Armada. Drew Hosterman, two hits, a double. Nolan Mora hitting two RBIs for Armada. They actually out-hit Cross-Lex, uh, but the errors are what doomed uh, Armada. Cross-Lex, again, only a couple guys that stood out for Armada. Ryan Ching had two hits. Hunter Filber had two hits. Zach Marcy had three hits. But the one thing missing from all three of those lines, no RBIs. Dylan Cambron had a hit in an RBI, and Nolan Hill had a hit in two RBIs. But Croslex gets a much-needed BWAC win and a much-needed stopper to this losing streak. Last team I want to talk about in baseball, Cardinal Mooney. Another team that clinched a league title, they moved up to the AA division, which if you're unfamiliar with the Catholic League, the top is the central. That is De La Salle, that is St. Mary's, that is Brother Rice, that is all those teams for the Catholic League, you know, the big ones that seemingly win at everything and have players from across the state. The AA is the next highest division, which is usually... Ann Arbor, Gabriel Richard, Lutheran North, uh, Riverview, Gabriel Richard, and Cardinal Mooney, not in the AA for a whole lot. Those are usually the Class B schools in that division. And Mooney playing up, Divine Child, another team that's usually in there, and Mooney sweeps a doubleheader, takes the AA championship, and will be the one seed in the Cardinal Division tournament in the Catholic League playoffs. 7-4, they take game one. Avery Brola hitting an RBI. Blake Lutzke, two hits, three RBIs. Cam Spezia, two hits, two RBIs. And Mooney, league champs, after moving up a division, they take it and they are playing some darn good baseball. Then in game two, they get one hit, but the one hit was a Cam Spezia triple that drove in two runs. And because Quinn Addis on the mound went seven innings with only giving up three hits, no earned three walks, two Ks, they get the two-to-one win over Divine Child. They just needed a split to be league champs, and they got it in style with the sweep and take out Divine Child. They will play Waterford, Our Lady of the Lakes, on Friday at 2 o'clock at Comerica Park. I'll be there for that one as they try to get back to the Catholic League championships somewhere they were two years ago. Last year, they lost in the semifinals when they ran into a buzzsaw in Divine Child. But Cardinal Mooney right now looking like a heck of a buzzsaw. They have a lot of pitching. They are starting to hit at the right time. And even when they don't hit, the pitching is picking them up. So congratulations to Coach Rice and that whole team Now the year for Cardinal Mooney. They played in the prep bowl at Ford Field. The basketball team made it to Breslin in the Final Four, and the baseball team going back to Comerica Park for the Catholic League playoffs. It's a pretty fun school year for those kids. That's all really for baseball outside of one other score. Lutheran North beat Armada 15-1 in an odd midweek BWAC non-conference game for Armada. But Lutheran North, a good team. They take it to Armada. But besides that... That's all the baseball I have for you. Uh, A lot of softball coming up, including a big series yesterday, but we'll go back to Monday when it started when we had yet another no-hitter from yet another really, really talented pitcher. Don't go anywhere. Brady Beaton here with you by himself today. Uh, You're listening to the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast.
Every piece of land has a story written by those who work it, like the Nelsons, who cruise around their ranch on a John Deere Gator XUV835R. With 3,000 acres, there's plenty of work to do. It's all about efficiency. That's how they've kept their ranch going for five generations. We wouldn't be in ranching without the Gator. Run with us on a Gator XUV835R and start telling your story. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's locations in Auburn Hills, Badax, Birch Run, Burton, Carrow, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. has worked for their clients' futures, helping millions of Americans retire on their terms. Work with Ameriprise Financial Advisor Dave Betts, and together you'll develop a customized plan for your retirement. Discover the one-to-one relationship you deserve. Call Dave Betts today at 810-987-5370. Office is located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. Mexican has been locally owned and operated for over 40 years. With locations in Port Huron, Richmond, Lapeer, Chesterfield, and Hall Road, they are the best one-stop shop for your sleeping and mattress needs. Mattress King carries all the top brands such as Serta, Stearns & Foster, Sealy, iComfort, and Tempur-Pedic. Not only do they have the best prices and best service in the area backed by hundreds of five-star reviews, they also offer interest-free financing and no credit check programs for those with less than stellar credit. Once you get your mattress, they offer free local delivery on all purchases $6.99 and up. When you think sleep, Preferred think Mattress gutters in Emily City has been family-owned and operated since 1997. In-house employees, when you call Preferred, you get Preferred. At Preferred, they manufacture all components, making them the warehouse. This ensures prompt installation from Preferred's well-trained and courteous staff, serving St. Clair, Sanilac, Genesee, and northern Macomb counties. Give Melissa a call and she'll be happy to schedule a quote. No high-pressure sales. Just great service from Preferred Seamless Gutters. Shopping for a vehicle the last few years has been frustrating for all of us. Inflated prices and misleading ads that waste your time and money. Look no further than Jepson Car Company. Located at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair, Jepson Car Company is St. Clair County's most transparent dealership. At Jepson, the price you see on a vehicle is the price you pay. This is no Nash hidden Phillips. fees or misleading I'm a class rebates. class of 2022 when you need your senior and varsity football player at Port Huron High. As a Port Huron School student, I get to experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region. The district provides personal success for all students because each Port Huron School's journey is unique and special. I know I am supported by my teachers and everyone in the district, both in the classroom and on the football field. I also know they care about my well-being each and every day. Port Huron Schools have prepared me for anything I choose to do with my future. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. Becky on the Get Stuck on Sports podcast presented by Tri-County Equipment. Brady Beaton here for you solo on a Wednesday. Dennis should be back by Friday. And let's go to the softball diamond, and we'll go to St. Clair to start. We'll talk with them in each of the first two segments. But in game one, or the next two segments, I should say, St. Clair got the 3 to nothing win over Sterling Heights-Stevenson. Now, that's a pretty innocuous score, but it was a weird way it happened. St. Clair... In the first inning, got a three-run home run from Rochelle Schweighoffer. And that was it. No more scoring. And Stevenson's a solid team, but it's a team that is middle of the pack in the white. They're 4-4 four and four in league play, almost exactly 500 overall. And Stevenson 
almost uh, was giving St. Clair a lot to handle, shut them out for the last six innings, but you get the three-run home run, and then Claire Borg goes seven innings, only gives up three hits, obviously no earned runs, walked a pair, struck out five. You only need three runs, and St. Clair, uh, for a rare time, does it with their defense and their pitching. Not that they don't have that, but their calling card has been, we're going to put up eight, nine runs, and you're just, even if we give up three to five, you're, no, you're nowhere close to getting us. And St. Clair gets a nice win over Stevenson. We'll talk about them more in the next segment because I got to see them yesterday and a dramatic win over Utica. Port Huron played a low-scoring game, seemingly well-played game against Gross Point South, but they made the errors at the wrong time. Gross Point South 5, Port Huron 2. Izzy Trombley for Port Huron goes seven innings, gives up just five hits. None of the five runs were earned, and that's where it hurt. Because in this game, I don't believe there were an excessive amount of errors for Port Huron. Really can't be if you only give up five runs. It just seemed like at this time, the runs they gave up really, or the errors they gave up were were more costly. Uh, they actually did have six errors in the game, so it was a nice job by Izzy Trombley to mitigate some of those errors. On At the plate, Emma Higgins had a double and two RBIs. They couldn't really hit Gross Point South, and the biggest strength for Port Huron this year has been their bats. That's all that happened in the match. I'm going to take a minute. I wish Dennis was here. Hopefully I can pick his brain on this on Friday because Algonac played MLA City, and we've said for a while MLA City's a pretty darn good team. They're just pretty good in the BWAC gets you fifth place because there's four elite teams in the BWAC. And Algonac in game one, Kenna Bomarito, seven innings pitched, no hits, no earned runs, one walk, 14 Ks, a no-hitter for Kenna, another one on the year. I believe that's number two, maybe number three. I've lost count at this point. It's just been the year of the no-hitter. It's It's been ridiculous, and it's been spearheaded by, at least in softball, Kenna Bomarito. Ella Stevens had, had a pair of doubles. Sierra Vossler had two hits, and Dee DeLang with three hits on senior night for Algonac. And lost in the no-hitter and lost in all that is... MLA City held Algonac to three runs. You think if you hold Algonac to three runs, you have a fighting shot, but you really didn't. So I do want to give flowers to Hope Schreiber, who gives up 11 hits but scatters them, only walks one, and gave her team a chance. Now, she can't control that. Kenna Bomarito has been otherworldly. But to hold that Algonac lineup to three runs, that's something some other teams in the BWAC haven't done so far. They've had to out-hit Algonac, and for the first time, it's really a low-scoring pitcher's duel. The only problem is when Schreiber throws a really good game, Kenna Bomarito throws the no-hitter, but I didn't want that to go unnoticed because that is a very nice performance. I know 11 hits is a little high, but this is an Algonac team that if they won this game 13 to nothing, I wouldn't have been surprised. So it's only 3 nothing, but Kenna Bomarito... 14 Ks, another no-hitter. She really needs to be under serious consideration. I know she's a nominee for High School Softball Player of the Year, but she's been a video game. I don't know what the other candidates have done. I haven't seen them. I know there's about nine others, but she has been a video game out there for Algonac, and I hope to see it continue. In Game 2, 
It was 6-3. Algonac beats MLA City. So another competitive game from MLA City. But Algonac just too much to handle. They had 12 more hits, including getting two hits and a home run from Kenna Bomarito in an RBI. Talk about what she did on the mound in a second. Ella Stevenson, three hits, a double, a triple. Was just a long ball shy of the cycle. Sierra Vossler, two hits, a triple, and a home run. If you're only going to get two hits, you make them count. And two RBIs for Sierra. Ainsley Trombley, a hit in an RBI. For MLA City, all their offense came from Natalie Stone. Three hits, a double, a home run, three RBIs, a triple shy of the cycle for Natalie Stone. But here is one little nugget that of info that is, again, just put another feather in the cap of Kenna Bomarito because she came in in relief. And J.C. Ream started off, went five innings, gave up four hits, two of the three runs she allowed were earned, one walk, five strikeouts. With that lineup, that should be good enough to win. But Kenna Bomarito comes in, and this might be the most ridiculous stat line I've heard in a while, and I'll explain why in a minute. Kenna Bomarito comes in in the sixth. Faces six batters, strikes them all out, and throws 18 pitches. 18 pitches, which means all six of the batters went strike one, strike two, strike three, strike one, strike two, strike three, strike one, strike two, strike three. Do that back-to-back innings. And if you're not a baseball or softball geek, you might not know that's an immaculate inning. So that's no foul balls with two strikes. That's not one ball thrown, nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. To put in perspective how rare that is, in the in Major League Baseball, and I know it's not um, apples to apples here, but in Major League Baseball, there have been, uh, hold on one second as this wants to load, um, 318 no-hitters. So no-hitter, pretty rare. You might get one or two a year uh, in Major League Baseball, but over the entire history of Major League Baseball, 100 and some odd years, 318 no-hitters. There have only been 113 immaculate innings. So something that is a third of as rare of a no-hitter, Kenna Bomarito not only does it once, but does it in back-to-back innings in relief after throwing a no-hitter. So she threw nine hitless innings. She struck out in the two games combined. She struck out a total of 20 batters and threw two immaculate innings along with the no-hitter. Again, only 113 in the history of Major League Baseball. Again, not the same thing. I know it's a little different, but still... Just to give you an idea of how hard that is to do, to see three up, three down, three strikeouts on nine pitches. It's it's just a stupidly good stat. And Algonac gets a pair of wins in what could have been a trap game. But MLA City, they're playing better. I would love to have seen what MLA City does in a different league because I think they're solid. They just can't get over the hump that is Algonac or the rest of the top of the BWAC because the BWAC's pretty solid, and I think here's another example of it. Anchor Bay plays Armada. Anchor Bay's up in the red. And in the red, Anchor Bay is second at 5-2. and two. They trail only Dakota. Pretty good team. 
Armada goes to Anchor Bay and almost knocks them off a 2-1 to win for Anchor Bay. Leah Nock had three hits. Natalie Sauer doubled in a run. And Taylor Capozo, seven innings pitched, scatters 10 hits, both runs earned, one walk, two strikeouts, but keeps Anchor Bay off balance and keeps Armada competitive against a really solid program. And Armada is, what, sixth in the BWAC right now? And yet going to Anchor Bay and playing with the Tars, and I know it's not necessarily the the best comparison, especially you don't know who's on the bound or what lineup was out there for Anchor Bay, but still, Armada, a team that usually has to out-hit other teams, played a really nice defensive game against a really solid opponent, comes up short, Anchor Bay gets the 2-1 to win. Uh, the only other games of softball back on Monday, Yale won a doubleheader against Deckerville, and they got the bats out 21-2 in game one. Reese Klee had two hits, a double. Marissa Honicky had two hits, a double, a triple, and three RBIs. Madison Hiller, two hits, a double, four RBIs. Mackenzie Aguinaga had a hit and four RBIs, and Alyssa Barr had a pair of knocks, including a double. Yale beat Deckerville in game two, 15-4, so that one actually went the distance. Carly Woolman, three hits, a double, four RBIs. Reese Klee had two hits, a double, an RBI. Marissa Honicky had two hits, a double, two RBIs. Alyssa Barr with two more hits, including a double and drove in two. And Maddie Hazel added two hits and an RBI for Yale. So they got some hits in uh, on Monday and they use them all up because when we come back, we'll talk about another performance by another really solid pitcher in the BWAC and more video game numbers along with another walk-off and other teams staying up top in their league. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Brady Beaton here solo on a Wednesday. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a minute. Brady Beaton here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't Overhead have Door what Company you like, of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, Overhead doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball. Call 810-987-2185. We welcome you to make Port Huron Schools your district of choice. Your child will experience an education with the most athletic extracurricular and academic opportunities in the region at Port Huron Schools. We specialize in providing personalized success for all students because each Port Huron Schools journey is unique and special. This year more than ever, we truly appreciate our families and would like to thank them for their continued support. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest Finding that updates missing on Port Huron Schools. Remembering whether it's a home or away game, Getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things, like not being that fan. Oh, come on, ref. That's simple human sense. 
For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Brady Beaton here with you going over all the happenings the last couple of days. And, well, let's finish off with softball from yesterday because there is a lot to take in and a lot to digest in what isn't a ton of games. And we'll start where I was at. St. Clair was hosting Utica. St. Clair was 7-1 and one in league play, Utica 6-1. and one. And the Mac White has been a little wonky this year just because I don't think a league's been hit more and been hit harder by rainouts. And some teams like Marysville came into the day 4-1. and one. St. Clair went into the day 7-1. and one. And they, yeah, the, the standings are a little off. But what you need to know, St. Clair, Utica, Marysville, all went into the day with one loss. And St. Clair... Didn't look like they had their best stuff against Utica, especially the bats, Utica pitching. I want to give a lot of props to Caitlin Perry. Pitcher for Utica had a very good St. Clair lineup in in a little bit of fits, and when she gave up a big hit, they seemed to be spread out. So it was 0-0 through two innings, and the day, the day started, by the way, it was 75 degrees, it was beautiful, I was in a t-shirt, I was in my, in my nice khaki shorts, and just relaxing, sitting there, and then in the first inning, like someone turned on the AC, the wind flipped, and I'm not exaggerating, it went from about mid-low 70s to high 50s in maybe 90 seconds. It was one of the more bizarre weather patterns I've ever seen, especially, I mean, we're outside each year. We probably do 50, 75 games, so we're outside for a lot. I haven't had that type of weather shift on a dime like that ever. So now it's a, it's a cool, chilly Tuesday, and Utica in the third inning pushes across the first run. Kylie Condon leads off. She's a fast leadoff hitter for Utica. And then Alyssa Frezza singles her home after Condon stole second, and it's one nothing Utica. St. Clair would answer in the bottom of the fourth. After not doing much, Claire Borg, second pitch she sees in the inning. Don't think she got all of it. That's the scary part. Puts it over the left field fence by about 15 feet, and Dennis always talks about that sound you hear that you know it's different. It didn't make the sound. It was weird. The wind was swirling, but the ball was carrying at St. Clair. And Claire Borg puts it over the left field fence, makes it one-to-one. But Utica rocks right back. A one-out double from Alyssa Frezza, uh, and then a two-out double that drives in a run from Caitlin Perry, then another hit from Violet Smith, and it's 3-1. to one. Utica has stopped all St. Clair momentum in its tracks, and St. Clair is now... You know, losing as we go into the sixth inning and it's the later innings and you're going, uh-oh, St. Clair could be in trouble. And if they drop this one, they're probably hoping for a share of a league title instead of an outright league title. And they're hoping their rival Marysville can beat Utica the second time around. We go to the bottom of the sixth and it was one of the weirder innings. Claire Borg leads off and she gets under one, flies out to center field. Then Aaron Saros ropes a triple. I mean, crushes one to the fence. She keeps going. She's on third for a leadoff triple. And now you're thinking, okay, just get a run across. 
You're in the sixth. You're down three to one. Get a run across and give yourselves a chance in the seventh. You know what? Hey, if you can put a rally together, great. But the approach needs to be get a run across. Ashlyn Zimmer hits a high fly ball to center field. Going to do the job. Center fielder's going back. Settles in. I mean, she's still taking a step back, but she's not like on the run. She's just slightly moving, I guess, fading out towards the center field fence. She reaches up, hits her right in the glove, bounces up and then over the center field fence for a two-run home run that if no defenders were there, maybe hits the bottom of the fence. And Ashlyn Zimmer has a two-run game-tying home run in the bottom of the sixth, and everyone's going crazy. At worst, it should have been three to two, and the run comes in to score. And you can tell, poor girl in center field. I mean, she she basically just Jose Canseco'd it. And if you don't know, go look up that clip. But gives up the two-run home run on a fly ball that probably should have been caught. So now St. Clair has all the momentum. And Peyton Malcolm, ready to attack, hits a ball to center field. And you could tell she got she got it good. And it's going to center field. And you're like, that has the distance. And the, the center fielder, the same player that just had the ball hit off the end of her glove and go over the fence, tracks it to the wall, reaches up and over the fence and makes the catch. It looked like below the fence line and brings it back in for an out and steals the home run from Peyton Malcolm, the go-ahead home run in the sixth inning. And so the inning ends after Audrey Schindler flies out, and you're going, okay, it should be 3-3, three to three, but it shouldn't have happened <laughs> the way it happened because Ashlyn Zimmer should have just been a fly out, and whether or not Saro scores, Peyton Malcolm should have hit the home run and we should be tied at three. And we were. It was just a really strange way to get there. I've never had an inning where I've had a player maybe make a one of the, I don't want to say worst plays because it wasn't, it was it was just a bad error. It was one of the worst errors, misfortunate, unfortunate errors I've seen. And then make one of the best catches I've ever seen where she reached down and was going towards the ground with her glove as she caught the ball over the fence. It was a very odd inning. Utica in the top of the seventh, tied at three, gets a runner on, can't do anything with it. And then the bottom of the seventh happened, and St. Clair feeling the momentum. Uh, Tabitha Furlan leads off, and she tries to bunt this thrown out. Maddie Cole pops up on the infield. And I don't know what it is about when I'm at a game, but right now it feels like if I'm at a game and it's close in the seventh inning, someone is going to make a crucial error. Talked about the Almon Algonac baseball game from a while ago. St. Clair was on the other side of this. They made the crucial error that allowed Megan Winston to get on, and then Avery Wolters hits the home run. Yesterday, or Monday, Richmond makes the error on the bunt attempt, gets the winning run on, and here, Maddie Cole, can of corn pop up, easy catch, hits the second baseman square in the mitt, and goes into foul territory, Cole's on second, game-winning run with one away. Hadley Schwartz singles, puts runners on first and third. So Rochelle Schweighoffer's coming to the plate, and Claire Borg is on deck. Now, there's a few things that if you go back and listen to the archives, you can hear me talk about. And I again, 
I want I want to bounce this off, Dennis. Maybe I'll talk about this on Friday because it was really, really strange. First of all, they had a meeting at the mound, and they were figuring out what they wanted to do with Rochelle Schweighoffer. Now, my thought is, runners on first and third. You're throwing, there's one away. Yes, you want to put the force at the plate, but there is no chance in H-E double hockey stick hell that I'm bringing Claire Borg up, and I'm going to put the game in that matchup. And Rochelle Schweighoffer's a very nice hitter. Don't get me wrong. She roped a double earlier, and she had the home run on Monday that gave them the win, but I'm not letting Claire Borg do it. I'm not letting her beat me. Well, me and the Utica coach had a philosophical disagreement because Rochelle Schweighoffer gets the intentional walk to load the bases with one away and bring up Claire Borg. Now, again, I know in high school you don't necessarily have the best scouting report on your opponents. You don't know your your opponents inside and out, you, especially it, once you get from Utica to St. Clair. It's a little different than if St. Clair's playing Marysville. I get that, but still. You're walking Rochelle Schweighoffer to bring up a D1 hitter going to U of D to play, and you bring her up, and that's who you're going to try and get out of the jam with because she's a fly ball hitter. So you're not going to get the ground ball in the force at the plate. Anyway, let's just assume they didn't they didn't have the full scouting report on Claire Borg. The next thing that I found was weird is the outfield is playing deep. When I talked about the the Yale Richmond game in the first segment, the outfielders and this is standard good coaching protocol. When the winning runs on third and less than 2 outs, you bring your outfield to a point where essentially any ball hit over their head, the run's going to tag up and score anyway. The thought is you take away the bloop single. You don't want to get beat on a short little handle jam job that just drops over the second baseman's head or whatever. You bring the outfield in and you give your team a chance. They were playing back as if they were in like a no doubles look. They weren't at the wall, but they were maybe a couple steps in from where they normally played way too deep. And it wouldn't matter, but it was weird. And Claire Borg ropes the game-winning single into left field. She smokes it down the left field line, about a foot fair. Run comes in to score. St. Clair wins. But the other weird part is Utica kept playing as if they were trying to get the out at second. They picked it up and they threw it in. And I don't know if they weren't aware that the game-winning run was on third or it was the seventh inning. But the whole situation was weird, and St. Clair took advantage of it. Claire Borg, the hero, the home run in the game-winning RBI to give them the 4-3 to three win and keep pace and keep them at the top of the Mac White standings. And Marysville, hot on their tails. They're going to be playing a lot of games this week, and they got a big win over Lons Cruz North. 15-3, Avery Woodard, two hits, a double, two RBIs. Megan Winston, two hits, an RBI. Avery Wolters, two hits, another home run for Wolters, and two more RBIs. Ryan Quain had a hit and an RBI. Lexi Perrin had a pair of base knocks, a double, and a home run. She drove in two. Jade Schiller, a two-hit performance with a double and two RBIs. And Brooklyn Evans had two hits, a double, and two RBIs. And the sticks were out down at Lons Cruz North. They were taking care of business. Lons Cruz North last in the league, but still, no one in the in the Mac White is a, in, an absolute gimme. 
And Marysville has a busy week because today, they, or excuse me, tomorrow, they go, they host Lakeview for a doubleheader, and then they're a part of the SC4 tournament uh, where they there's just a ton of games going on. So Marysville going to be making up a lot of league games the next week or so, and they're going to be trying to catch up and keep pace with St. Clair, but that's a good start with the win over Lons Cruz North. One other Matt game, Marine City beats Warren Cousineau 10-5. Deetland had a hit in an RBI along with on the mound. She went seven innings, gave up just four hits, no earned, four walks, 15 strikeouts. That's a big-time strikeout performance, but this year, been just pretty good because we've it's been stupid how normalized these high strikeout totals have been. Alyssa Chartier had a double and three RBIs. Graceland Hobbs, two hits, a double and RBI. And Jade Blanchard doubled in the win for Marine City. They are battling on top of the Mac Blue. They will go down to Frazier today on Wednesday to take on the Ramblers. Frazier, 8-1, and 18-2 overall. Marine City, 7-1 in league play. They are trying to knock off Frazier and take sole possession of first place. Let's go to the BWAC. And the big series was Almont North Branch. Now again, coming into this week, Almont had one loss in league. Algonac had one loss in league. North Branch had one loss in league. And this is the this was the big series that everyone was waiting for. Me and Dennis were waiting for. He would have been out there um, if the plans hadn't changed. And excuse me, North Branch had two loss, no one loss in league coming into this. And Almont takes game one four to two. Not a lot of hitting, but what Almont did have was solid three hits, a triple, and an RBI. Grace Koenig a home run in an RBI and. For North Branch, Natasha Bickle had two hits, drove in one of the two North Branch runs. And Almont takes game one, four to two, in a big, big first win. And remember, this one, I believe, was out in North Branch. So you go on the road and you take game one. That's a huge first win for Almont. So now you get a little greedy if you're Almont. You know that... You take game two, you go into the final series of the year against Richmond. Algonac's going to have to play North Branch. You can set yourself up for a pretty good shot and give you a decent chance at, maybe with a little help, getting an outright title. So game two, after a low-scoring affair in game one, the bats broke out. It was a 10-8 game that Almont wins. Both sides changed pitchers in about the third inning of this game, and Almont was able to settle it down enough to get the win. Devin Johnston, another big game. Three hits, a double, an RBI. Kendall Roshevsky had a hit and two RBIs. Ellie Chapman, two hits, drove in two. Lydia Lacavero with two hits. Lauren Webster with two hits, add an RBI to her name. And Kylie Tennant with a triple that drove in a run. And for North Branch, they hit the snot out of the ball, too. They just couldn't keep pace with Almont. Alana Deshetsky, two doubles and an RBI. Ella Swash had a hit and an RBI. Jasmine Mock, three hits, another home run, and two RBIs. Natasha Bickle, two hits, a home run, and an RBI. Kate Welsh had a hit and an RBI. Emmy Brinker with two hits, and Tracy Ludisher with a hit and an RBI. And now Almont is sitting really pretty. They're 11-1 in BWAC play. 
The only other team with one loss is Algonac, and both those two teams had lost to each other. Now, Almont has one more series left, and it ain't going to be easy because they bring in Armada. Or, excuse me, they bring in Richmond. And Richmond just had a pretty nice performance against Yale. Doubleheader, they outscore Yale 28 to nothing. Now, I know Yale's last in the BWAC, but still, here's got the pitching line for Richmond. Didn't get any of the hitting stats, but the pitching line for Katie Shoeboy. Game one, the 13 to nothing game. Six innings pitch, no hits, no earn, no walks, 14 strikeouts. Not just a no hitter, but a perfect game for Katie Shoeboy. It was 18 up, 18 down for Yale and Richmond takes game one. They win game two, 15 to nothing. Only goes three innings, but it was nine up, nine down. Now, that technically does not go in the books as a perfect game. But the bigger picture is Katie Shoeboy pitched nine innings of softball and didn't give up a base runner. So she threw basically an MLB length perfect game, striking out, I believe, 22 in the doubleheader. And Richmond sweeps Yale. And now they have a series coming up with Almont next week that I don't I think there is a way looking at the the BWAC standings let's digest the top 4. Almont's 11-1, Algonac's 9-1, North Branch 7-3, Richmond 7-3. So, there is a scenario, a super chaotic scenario where you could have a four-way tie. And while it's not likely, it's not the craziest of scenarios. Essentially, all you need to have happen, assuming no upsets in any of the makeup series, because there's still, um, I believe, a game or two to be made up along the way. But North Branch sweeps Algonac, Richmond sweeps Almont. Everyone would finish the year 11-3 and and a four-way tie for first place in the BWAC. So Richmond has a pathway with Almont sweeping North Branch, Richmond has a pathway to try to win another BWAC title. Again, the last year Richmond hadn't won a softball BWAC title was 2015 when Cross Lex won it. Besides that, they've won it every year since. Almont and Algonac. Almont, they just need a split uh, against, well, they don't need a split because Algonac could win out, but you're thinking a split? probably gets you a share because I don't know if North Branch gets swept two, two doubleheaders in a row. Algonac has a tall task ahead of them taking on North Branch. And again, there's some makeups to be done. Richmond does have to make up with Armada. That's not necessarily the easiest series. And Algonac against Cross Lex. Again, I don't expect any of those to be upsets, but you never know. You never know North Branch still has a series to be made up against Yale. Uh, one, a couple other scores. Armada beat Cross Lex 19-4. Alavi Vite had two hits and three RBIs. Brooklyn Pratt, three hits, two RBIs. Leah Naka hitting two RBIs. Jenna Mayday had three hits, a double, and two RBIs. Kendall Schlotka had a big day. Two hits, a double, a home run, six RBIs on the win for Schlotka and Armada. For Cross Lex, Shaylee Kading did have two hits and drove in all four runs in in no small part due to the three-run home run Kading had against Armada, but it wasn't nearly enough in the 19-4 decision for Armada. Then in game two, Armada kept the sticks going and kept Cross Lex off the board. 12-0 win 
for Armada. Alavi Vite had two triples in the game and two RBIs. Brooklyn Pratt, a double in RBI. Leah Knock had a hit in an RBI. Natalie Sauer, three hits, a double, a home run, five RBIs for Sauer. That's a heck of a day. And Kendall Schlotta had a hit and two RBIs for Armada as well. And that's all that happened the last couple of days. If you stayed through this the whole time with just me, I appreciate you listening. Um, well, if you're not sick of my voice, I'll be out at Richmond for baseball tonight as they take on Yale in game two of a series that, well, got a whole heck of a lot more interesting with Yale's upset. Does Richmond, do they bounce back like they did after their loss against Algonac, or does Yale keep the momentum up and then... Tomorrow, I will be at another softball game, this time Port Huron at Northern Softball. So that's what I have the rest of the week. Should be a lot of fun. The first part of the week has been just a blast, and we're getting close to the end of the season. But that's all I've got for you. We'll be back Friday. Plan on having Dennis Stuckey back with us, but that'll do it. You've been listening to the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports podcast. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.